You're listening to episode 64 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna. And we are recording on Friday, December 3rd. Uh, okay, quick news for uh, our holiday card, which we finished yesterday and we're both very proud of. because it looks dumb. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. If you get the $3 to us via PayPal along with your address or become a $2 Patreon, Patreon, patron <laughs> to our Patreon today, December 3rd, you will get a card because I'm, I'm going to put the order in tomorrow. Okay. So today, it's lo- like you can see what the card looks like on our Twitter. It's I'm dumb. So proud. Star Trek fans will be really excited. Yeah, so proud. I, I think everybody will be excited. Yes. Fair. <laughs> Speaking of which. Um, I wanted to do a little update on Star Trek Discovery. I was real irritated the last time um, on our last episode about Star Trek Discovery and getting pulled from international channels. The good news is Paramount heard everybody complaining because um, even like the actors were pissed because literally, you know, they had done a con in the UK like the day before the announcement. They'd done a con hyping up season four and then all the fans are like, well, why were you guys hyping up season four if we couldn't even watch it? And the actors are like, we didn't know. Like, we had no idea. So anyway, the actors, like, got got in Paramount's business or CBS. I don't even know. Paramount, Paramount, CBS, whoever <laughs> it is now. Got in their faces. And then so it's now available. Inter- Star Trek Discovery will be available internationally, I think, starting last week. Um, it's on a lot in a lot of places. Pluto TV, which hmm. most people have not heard of, but it is a free ad-supported streaming service owned by Paramount. It's available worldwide. I think it's even available just like on the internet without having to That's download awesome. anything. So it's something, it's ad-supported, that kind of sucks, but it's something. And so I am- It's available. It's available. And so I am pleased. It's it's an inferior option, but it is at least an option Yeah, like versus just not being able to see it. So That's great. Yeah. Good, good for them. And yes. Good- Happy for fans. Yes, me too. Um, All right. Also, Hawkeye, Mm -hmm. uh, which we were considering covering the like kind of halfway through the season since three episodes have dropped. However. Yes, we have (laughs) decided not to for a couple of reasons. Um, First, the show is a little bit uneven, which is fine. It's allowed to be. But I think it would benefit from doing it all as a full season mm-hmm. first and the second um a lot of my issues with the show have to do with the source material because I love the source material so much and that's not really a fun that's not really a fun discussion to have honestly because it's just <laughs> like ragging on one thing because it's not another thing and that's not what we do and so I want to make sure I have constructive things to say before we talk about it that's not just like but the comic is better (laughs) it's better well so okay actually this just occurred to me because it's something I've been thinking about a lot with regards to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and sort of how expansive it's become and I think I'm trying to remember if I've mentioned it on the show before or not and I can't I, I think we talked about it sort of briefly last time right when we were talking about all the Disney plus day stuff mm-hmm. um but talking about it and recognizing sort of how we talk about comics and how expensive comics are and how you can't really control the narrative 100 percent even with all the like continuity ideas and all of that uh, because it's so big and how the MCU is getting to that point I actually think Hawkeye would be a really fun jumping off point 
to look at the specifics of that conversation mm-hmm. and like look at it as something that is related to the source material but not deliberately not exactly like the source material yes I think that is a really great point and I think it's also I think there's a I think there's a lot to talk about Hawkeye without going into like the plot beat by beat of Hawkeye so I think maybe that's how we'll do it because I would like to see how the season resolves before um before I really like kind of decide how I feel about it. That being said, I am enjoying it. I don't want to be like, oh, I hate it. I like it. It's fun. Jeremy Renner (laughs) is not the Hawkeye, the fraction Aja Hawkeye I love. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that is a larger conversation we should have. And I think also around this, we should have a conversation about creator credit and the way like with Marvel, there's a, I have a lot of issues um, with, the way Hawkeye is heavily influenced by the Fraction Aja run. And Wilson, Matt Wilson did the colors and heavily mm-hmm. influenced by him too, the yeah. colors. Um, and they're not even credited. Like, yeah, not I mean, even like a credit. And so- Fraction is a produ- some kind of producer capacity on the show, mm-hmm. I think. Um, his name is definitely in the credits, but okay, I think as, as a producer- not necessarily as a creator. Yeah, inspired by, yeah. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, all the imagery, all the, like, aesthetic is very much directly, like, a direct result of that. So, yeah, a good conversation to have and one that we'll have probably in three weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. Although, if a certain someone shows up who I think is going to show up, we'll see. I, hmm. (laughs) His, we'll say his best friend's name is Leland Owsley. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. We'll do you see. think? I do. I do. I do. I forgot about that when we were texting last night. But yeah, if if I didn't think about that. I think that's, I think, I think so. I think so. I think okay. so. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So more, I, this is like not blowing my mind because that didn't even occur to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So more to come on Hawkeye. Uh Either the end of the season or, like, we'll figure it out. I think we'll talk about it in, in some capacity. In some capacity, yeah. Um, but today, we were talking about two very drastically different Yes, shows. and one that you would not expect us to be talking about, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the first one, we're going we're gonna to cover later in the episode, the episodes four and five of The Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. But first, we want to talk about this gem of a show, which we uh, were lucky enough to have an interview with one of the directors of the season. Um, but Saved by the Bell, the Peacock yes. Saved by the Bell reboot or continuation, I guess. Yeah. So I was not even, honestly, I was like vaguely aware this existed. This is one of those things like it was announced whenever it was announced and there were like some of the original cast is returning, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh, haha, that sounds nice. And then like, maybe I should check it out sometime and like promptly completely forgot about it. I didn't see much when the first season aired. Like I didn't see much talk about it. Um, I know you, you, I'm sure you were talking about it, but like, I don't like it. Was, it's not something but I know th- this season. I've, I'd seen a couple of people say this season was really good. And then you were talking about it a ton. Um, and you were just like, oh, it's really good. Um, and just talking about it a ton. And I was like, okay, you know what? And so I got, I got the flu over Thanksgiving. So I was out, you know, I was like, you know, it was, it was miserable. And so I needed something kind of light and, um, 
fun and kind of effortless to watch. And so I was like, you know what? And we had a Peacock subscription for the month because I had to finish the Lost Symbol, Dan, the Dan Brown show. <laughs> Which we'll talk about later in the episode. I don't let me forget because I didn't write it down for things I'm watching or whatever. I'll add it, but I'll add it. remind me because I need to talk about Dan Brown. Um, so I had the Peacock subscription. So I was like, hey, let me get my money's worth. And then I started watching it and I just did not stop for like two seasons. I watched two seasons and you you all know me. You know I don't watch TV. Like it is very hard for me to like binge a show because things don't keep my attention. And literally, I watched this one, I watched two seasons of the show in like three days. It's so smart and mm-hmm. and it's, it feels like this thing like somebody I, I was talking about it online and somebody was like there's a save by the bell reboot and I'm like oh my god I know I know the scent the words save by the bell reboot just inspire like anxiety and just like sort of an icky feeling when it's, I tell yeah. you yeah right it's so so basically the premise the the overall premise of the first season and how the first season kicks off is Zach Morris has caught himself into being uh, the governor of California, of course. Um, and I was sold in that first episode when they did a flashback talking about Zach's journey, how he became a lawyer. And there is a screenshot from this television show that Mark Paul Gosler did with Brecken Meyer called Franklin and Bash, where they play lawyers and Saved by the Bell used that screenshot. And I had to pause my television because I was laughing so hard. And that is sort of like the conceit behind the humor. I think it's very, uh, it, it's very clear. The writers recognize what they have. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that what they have is a gift. Yeah. Like in the second season, they make a lot of references to Jesse's. Uh, Jesse, you know, went oh, to Vegas and went wild God. after college. Like definitely like showgirls references. Like is canon apparently in Saved by the, the Saved by the Bell universe. Yeah. Like she, she changed her name. She yeah. went to Vegas. Like <laughs> this show. And like they see this as a gift and they really like play with it. And like but all the characters that return which all of them come back except screech who um you know dustin diamond died um i think last year it was last year or year before i think and they pay a nice homage to that he kind of went off the deep end so it's it's understandable why he's not in the first season he is referenced it's not like you know they pretend like he doesn't exist and then they make they do have a nice um, like homage to him Mm -hmm. in you know universe i guess in the second season but um, basically, all the the five of them come back. All the main characters, um, in some capacity, some are regulars, some you know just are in a co- like couple of episodes here and there. Um, and they're very true to the characters they were in high school. It's not mm-hmm. like Zach Morris all of a sudden is like a rocket scientist, like, nope. and like <laughs> Kelly is like they aren't. They are true to the characters they were. So while still having like giving room, like they're not in high school anymore. So they right. know, obviously they've grown and changed a bit. They're more self aware now, at least, and more introspective. But they're all like, <laughs> oh my god, it is, it is like when I tell you this show is like funny. And you know, I was looking for something like effortless and light, but that doesn't mean the show doesn't conf. And it was, it is effortless and it is light, but it confronts serious issues in such a good and smart way yeah so the whole idea is that zach becoming governor in that for like he's governor in that first episode and he 
married to Kelly. To, married to Kelly. He doesn't know how to be governor, and he slashes the state's education budget because that's what his previous, uh, the the previous governor did. He just copied because that's Zach Morris, and so he slashes the education budget, and all these underprivileged schools get shut down. And as sort of like uh, an appeasement, he says, "Well, we'll bust those kids to the good to the good wealthy schools." And mm-hmm. so Bayside has an influx of students coming from an entirely new area into the high school where now Zach and Kelly's son goes, Jesse's son goes. Um, There is this like wonderful sort of like juxtaposition between the bright like Saturday morning, like saved by the bell humor of the privileged kids who go to Bayside and then bringing in this sort of societal, uh, modern, very like looking at our current landscape level of humor with the Mm -hmm. other kids and marrying those two in a really, really smart way because you have these kids coming. So Daisy is our main character Mm -hmm. in that first season, right, from the underprivileged school. And she comes in and she's a go-getter and she's like, I'm going to take advantage. And it's immediately how these kids are set up to fail. Like mm-hmm. they're expected to have an iPad. They're expected to be able to like not have to spend two hours commuting to this school. They're expected it- to have a, like everything. Like Stacey wants to run for student council, but every all of the things she has to do, she has to access through the app on her smartphone. Yeah. And her phone is the Zach Morris like yeah. suitcase-sized <laughs> phone from the original. Like no, literally the same prop. Yeah. Like not like joking. It's like that. It's literally the same prop which is another reason I love this show because it has all these smart callbacks that like if you don't get them it's fine but if you watch like every episode of the show eight times like I did you're like oh I know that (laughs) and like you have uh I think my favorite character of Lexi played by Josie Tota Mm -hmm. who is also an executive producer on the show I believe yes um who the character like Josie of course is a trans actress and the character is trans and so they bring a lot of representation, like representational humor into it in terms of never punching down. Like they're always recognizing who is in power and who should be the punchline. It's just I like I feel like I I just like start like vomiting out how much I love this show because it's so good. Yeah, like it's, it's so I will say the first episode I was I was definitely drawn in from like this opening montage with Zach and Kelly. <laughs> um, and so Zach and Kelly are recurring in the first season. Yeah. They'll, they, they're in a few episodes. Second season, they're they're not, I don't think they're regular characters, but they're a little more, they appear yes. in pretty much every episode yes. in the second season. Um, and then Slater is a gym teacher. Oh like the gym God. teacher football coach. Mario Lopez, man. I yes. never would have seen that. He's so He's funny. so good. Like his comedic timing. Oh my God. Is so good. And like, and then Jessie is the, um, she's, you know, of course, exactly what you expect. Like super smart, has a PhD and like is a, uh, is the guidance counselor at the mm-hmm. school. So they're the two series regulars. Lisa is only in like two episodes in the second season. She's not a regular, but she's like, she's like a fashion, like designer living in Paris. But yeah. anyway, um, and so like they like so the first episode it is a little rough um I was a little bit like I don't know if I'm gonna keep going because they do try to like like they try to call Mac who is Zach's son Mac um (laughs) they try to call Mac like preppy like the the same way Slater does to Zach but it just doesn't work like it doesn't doesn't like roll off the tongue the same so there's a few things like that in there where they're trying to like 
feel out how it goes. It's, you know, it's a first episode. And, but that like quickly disappears by episode two or three and they really get in the rhythm of these characters. These characters aren't trying to be like their parents' generation or Mm -hmm. like the older generation. They are very much their own people. And like, there are some things I really, like some of it is just effortless. Like, like they deal with racism and they deal Mm -hmm. with sexism for sure. But like the character, like they deal with it in such a compassionate and smart way. Like, like. They, they like a lot of times it's they deal with it without making the characters subject to it, mm-hmm. which is yes. hard to do. Like, for example, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. She's actually one of my favorite characters in the show, but she decides to try out for the football team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In one yeah, of the yeah. first episodes of the first season, Aisha, Aisha, yeah, Aisha tries to, she's fantastic, like, she is such a good Very actress, good. And she's fantastic, and there's never a moment. There is a moment of like, there's nobody ever tells her you can't play on the football team because you're a girl. Mm -hmm. There are some discussions about that privately without her there, you know, about like internal biases and stuff like that that Slater and Jesse work through. But she is never subject to it. She doesn't have to confront. And like, it's being able to have these discussions without like, like being able to have the discussions and have. Be like confront your internal biases and confront these things without making you know a person of color or without making a trans person or without making like you know a marginalized identity feel bad about it and it's the show does it over and over again and I'm always just marveling at how well they treat these serious issues Mm -hmm. yeah and and they're very good at calling out the absurdities of those systems yeah in a very funny funny way like there are literally I think in the the second season I probably had to pause at least once in every episode because I was laughing so hard. Yes. It's so clever. I just want I want another season so that's why we're talking about yeah. it because everyone should watch it. I agree. <laughs> like I was so ta- I was just so taken aback because I have not been generally impressed by continuations and reboots. Mm-hmm. It's um, hard. It's it is, and I think this benefits from the fact that the source material is not very good. Objectively, no, it's not. <laughs> it's nostalgia, and yeah, they know nostalgia. that, and they know that, and it's really funny because they'll like talk about like like. The college years. They'll talk about the college. Like, no, or they'll, like, they'll, like, talk about some of the absurd plot lines. Yeah. Like, do you remember, why did Casey Kasem come and host a dance-off at the Max? Like, like. Oh, that was when Lisa broke her ankle. Yeah. And and they had to do that dance. And, like, like, stuff like that. Like, they'll, like, talk about the absurdity of. But also, like, I really, one one of the story, and, like, but it's also, like, one of the storylines I really enjoyed is actually Slater's, who goes from, like, at the beginning of the series, basically the same jock he was in high school, to, like, this, like, sensitive and thoughtful Thoughtful. person who, you know, is really trying to be a good person and do its best and be a good example. And, like, I'm just, like, I want Jesse and Slater to kiss so badly. (laughs) I want them. And I'm, like, what year is this? Like, how old am I? Why am I, like, still, like, want, like, Jesse and Slater to just kiss? And, like, everything we've talked about, we have not spoiled anything in the second season beyond, like, you know, like, we, like, I'm trying to talk about first season generalities because I I want people to go in and watch it. Like, I don't want, but I will just say it keeps getting better. Yeah, the second, the writing in the second season is so good. And not just from, like, a comedic standpoint, but from a story standpoint, because uh, there's a moment in the latter half of the season that I was like, 
huh? And they they had obviously been building to it the whole time. It was so good. It's so mm-hmm. good, everybody. Just please like sign up for that free trial. The episode the seasons are only ten episodes. I think you can probably watch the first couple of episodes without signing up too. Yeah, usually yeah, you like can. with my my experience with Lost Symbol, um, you could you were <laughs> allowed you could watch like the first three episodes. I think like, you're like, well, I am going to talk about Dan Brown. <laughs> I know. Like, well, I'll get to this because like I am like like I am such a nerd for Dan Brown, like, and not in an ironic way. Like I genuinely love these stories so anyway um but uh, so you can watch the first you could probably watch the first couple of episodes without yeah i think so Peacock, but honestly it is worth it um 100 worth 100 worth it ah so good it um is. yeah so if you want to check out our interview with maureen mm-hmm. barucha who um directed the seventh episode of the second season that is available now she was a delight and it was really fun talking to her about sort of what it's like directing a show like this and coming into a series and being you know a director on one piece of it and and how that works and everything it was really cool uh and yeah go check out Save by the bell and peacock it's yeah awesome. it's really good uh all right now now I want to know. We're going to talk about the Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time, and so just this is kind of spoiler alert for yeah. all of for all of Wheel of Time that has aired up until now, which is episode five. Yeah. So we talked about the first three episodes last time, right? Mm-hmm. And so today we're talking about episodes four and five. So yeah. the Dragon Reborn, written by Wayne Yip, and Blood Calls Blood, written by Celine Song. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. What do you think? Oh. Okay, I mean, great. I'm really good. I'm very glad they're not dragging out this getting out to the White Tower storyline because I was kind of afraid <laughs> that would be the entire first season. Um, and, like, just, like, trying to, you know, like, it would be, like, the entire thing would just be, like, season would be them separated. And I, I while yeah. I do like watching their individual stories and, like, watching these pairings and learning more about them in that way, I do like the whole ensemble together. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, because the first season's only, what, eight episodes? We're already episode five. So, like, I'm like, I do want – so I was really, really glad um, to see – they're all basically at Tarvalon? Tarvalon? So it's – the show says Tarvalon. There is a recording of Robert Jordan, I guess, saying Tarvalon. I say Tarvalon because I'm a – I don't – I – that's how I read it. Um, so yeah, however you want. Tarvalon. Pronunciation, okay. they're made up words. Um, so Tarvalon is, um, I'm, I'm, like, I'm glad to see that they're all in the vicinity, if not all at the White Tower. Um, and one of the things I've had to think about a lot, um, is kind of the position of authority. And so my instinct always when, um, in these stories is like, like in Lord of the Rings, it's always like Frodo trusts Gandalf because he knows more about this than you do. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like you know. I mean, I'm trying to think of like another big fan. Like it's like in any Star Trek show, it's like tell the captain. Yeah, they know more about this than you. That's always my instinct, and I'm really having to examine that because yes, Moraine huh. has more knowledge and every, and she knows the stakes. But her interests are only aligned with yep. our little our main characters as long as. Or yeah. her, she's only going to do what's best for the main characters as long as her interests are aligned with theirs. Yes, her goal is to find the dragon reborn and prevent the dark from rising. Yes, and objectively, that is good for everybody. Yes, but if she knows that Matt, could, which we still don't actually know, we've never actually seen Matt use magic, so we don't actually know that that's what's going on, right? One hundred percent. 
we uh, based on uh, what the show has shown us no that's what we're suspecting because of like what but so she suspects that he can use magic he's gonna like he'll end up dead like not they won't kill him but like he will or they will test you know what i'm not exactly sure actually because they suspect these people are being the dragon what will happen if it's a man that you know yeah Okay, hold I'm on. Not sure, you, like, I'm not sure if they will still take away the power or they'll find a way to use it. I'm not, I'm not really clear so on that. You, you said a few interesting things before okay. we, we move too far ahead because I, I love this idea of, like, that you're picking up on uh, this questioning of authority because yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever really contextualized it that way because I've known the story for so long. But that's, that's really another way that Moiraine goes against this archetype of guide. Like, she is guiding them and she is doing those things, but you – you don't necessarily as a reader or as a viewer uh, defer to her in the same way you would like a, a Gandalf or, mm-hmm. or a captain because it is very clear from the beginning that she has a goal and individual people do not necessarily matter to that goal. Right. And right? then jumping in really quick, like in Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf realizes what he's going to have to ask Frodo to do, he hesitates. Yeah. Because he cares about Frodo. He cares mm-hmm. about and he's like, this is going to end up killing you. Like, I don't want to ask you to do this. Is there any other way? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's Frodo volunteers. And, yeah. you know, you see that look during the Castle of Rivendell on Gandalf's oh. face. He's like, if you hadn't volunteered, I was not going to make you do this. Right. We were going to figure out some other way. That is not Moiraine. She likes, no. I think she genuinely, like, I think she's established a rapport with Egwene. I think she likes her. But at the end of the day, like, you know, she likes Nynaeve, like, it seems like, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that what's another piece of that, actually, speaking of Egwene and Nynaeve that you bring up, is this idea of how will they treat the dragon reborn if it is a woman? Because yeah. we've seen now in episodes four and five what happen- what happens to what the majority of Aes Sedai will do to men who are able to channel, who are mm-hmm. able to use this, the the um, uh, the one power. And it's, you know, traditionally they are supposed to go and be, uh, uh, go through like a whole trial and all of that. But the men who use the power get what they call is gentled. And they are cut off from the ability to use that power. And eventually they lose all will to live, essentially. But can I ask something? Yeah. Do we... We have been told that using the power drives men mad. Is that actually the case? Like, I mean, and, you know, if it's a spoiler, you don't like, or you can like, but I'm just, I, I don't know if what we've been told aligns with the actual truth of the universe. So what is true is that, what is true in the books, I should say, because what the, sh- or what the show has told us is that men who use the power do go mad because there's something wrong the dragon did something the dragon did something to make the the men who use that power and the power that the men specifically use is what they call tainted Mm -hmm. and so continual use of it is supposed to drive one mad yeah which is a reason to gentle them but if you that's why i'm wondering like if it is a woman who is the dragon reborn like what does that mean because she wouldn't have the same issue like that's that's another thing that I hadn't really considered in terms of like how the Aes Sedai would deal with that um and then going back to Matt 
he is there's still clearly something going on with him we don't know we're told we brand and suspects that it's he's in tom 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 yeah. suspected also that he was you know magic sensitive or whatever but we're not seeing him use the one power and then we see perrin do it at the end of episode five it's not that's not the power that's I not would... the power what what perrin did yeah okay so that's just that's something else. Also, my point is, if it's using it that drives the mad, Matt hasn't been using it as far as we can see. My my suspicion is there's something else going on with Matt. I guess is the the mm-hmm. the what yeah. I'm trying to get at. No, I I agree with you. I think that again, what the show is set up in that that heartbreaking scene in the farm. Like mm-hmm. I think I, I I say this on like every time I talk about the Wheel of Time, but Barney Harris is so good at Matt as Matt. And I'm so sad that he will be leaving. Um, Wait, he's going to be leaving? They recast Matt for season two. Oh, they recast no. Matt for season two before season one aired. Oh, no. So, like, I know. Okay. So, it's – and they're not – they're kind of, like, really keeping mum as to why. Like, nobody knows why. So, it's either he was something real bad with. or, like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Or, yeah, okay. Who knows? Um, but he – in that scene, I think it's – the show does a decent job of not of we're not entirely clear on who killed that family mm-hmm. and how uh, until the fade shows up. I think yes. personally, I think it, it's clear that the fade did it and yeah. not Matt. Yeah, and um, I um, I agree, and I think they. But I was just like I was very convinced he was using the one power, and until I saw the fade, right? Um, yeah, it was a good fake out. Yeah, and now I'm I'm starting to think there's something else going on with Matt. Um, I'm not sure what, but um, yeah. So with Tom, who dis- basically decided fought the fade and told them to run at the end of episode three, we have not seen again. But I think he's still around. My guess is he survived. Um, he was too interesting of a character to be dispatched that quickly, but also. You've told me in the books that like a character will show up for one line and then yeah. like a, or, or a character will like 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 they he'll develop a character and then they'll run off into the sunset and you won't see them again. So you know the the show could be doing that too. Who knows? So um, yeah, but I I do feel like we'll see Tom again. Um, I, yeah, I have my suspicions on because like the what's interesting is even as a reader, I don't know like I have my suspicions about how the season will end Mm -hmm. but I genuinely they've made so many changes that I agree with that I don't know how they're gonna get there like in the books this this isn't like super spoilery but in they've done such a large shift which I'm sure people are frustrated by but I'm not uh in the in the show like in the books Rand I'm on we're in our book four book. We just wrapped our reread of book four and Rand still hasn't made it to Tar Valley. Okay. Like Rand has never been there. Okay. So like that was a big shift in this. They, they basically took a bunch of scenes that happened in a different city in the books and put them in Tar Valley. And it makes okay. sense because it would have been like you were saying, you liked having the characters all back together as an ensemble. The book's taking much, 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 much longer time for everybody to get back together. Yeah. Like, it is a significantly longer time. And that's, I think, a luxury you have with books that you don't yeah. necessarily no. on screen. Like, Because you're that. right. 
like with actors you need to see that chemistry you need to see yeah. the rapport that's a good point um and you need to like yeah like it was i think they need to like even if they're not all back together like them seeing Nynaeve, that scene where they like saw Nynaeve, like it was it was so lovely and she oh, zoe so robbins good. is so good um but i think um yeah at the end of the last episode or at the end of episode four you really see how powerful she is oh can i can we all right i Lan and Nynaeve like I'm so happy with what they're doing with the two of them yeah, there's there's a lot of chemistry there they are like they're you get so these like teeny tiny moments in the books between them mm-hmm. just like and you like live off those teeny tiny moments so I'm really glad they're like pulling a lot of that forward and mm-hmm. like making it much more because again like that is a very like tv thing they need to do like i hadn't considered this idea of like yeah people need to see these characters together like to me i was like oh plotting wise it makes sense but i hadn't considered like from a viewer's perspective of someone who's unfamiliar you want to have a stronger basis for this relationship yeah you i need to be invested in their relationship and Mm -hmm. like i'm invested in their relationship i'm invested in them getting back together but if they develop too much separately i'm gonna lose that investment yeah like um so I don't know it's 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 a like I'm I'm definitely intrigued like and my husband is hooked <laughs> he keeps being like what it like it's like he keeps like he'd heard of Game of Thrones before he's right. not a huge reader but he hears me talk about you know like a lot of this stuff and he'd heard about Game of Thrones like even in just like you know chatting with his friends who read but he'd never he- really heard of will of time yeah and so he keeps being like like what is this like why is this so good <laughs> like like i don't Brian, understand join I know. us i know and so he's so he's hooked like he is like That's awesome he is really hooked and he keeps calling he he, he can't keep track of anybody's names he's that's like, fine oh. he's like oh hot asian's back and i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> i love you <laughs> and so it's it's really like i'm i'm really enjoying the same way you're enjoying watching me watch mm-hmm. it as somebody who's not familiar familiar with the books i'm enjoying watching him experience it as somebody who's not super into like sff mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like he he likes it he enjoys it like but i I am like when you're the driver of watching something and then like the other person's like as into it as you are, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> um and then um it was interesting to see also another thing that struck me was how weak Egwene's powers were. And it might be just be she hasn't had a lot of training because when she tries to draw from the one power at the end of episode five after they're when they're captured by the white cloaks. And I'm she, she attacks. To... She, remember, she oh, attacks yeah. the guy, and it's like barely. It doesn't even singe his. Uniform. Oh no, that was a that was a that was a ruse. Oh, it was. Yeah. So, I'm I'm benefiting from having seen the episode like three times. Okay. Um, okay. and also knowing that Egwene is one of the strongest okay. channelers, but so she does that whole thing in front of him, and it goes like poof, and it's really sad. But then the camera cuts, and you see she's using the power to cut parents bonds oh, at the same time okay 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 so that he can escape 
she was just because she's super smart. I love Egwene so much. I like, I like, yeah, I like what so I see. So that far. scene was to illustrate how strong and smart she is, essentially, because she did that very deliberately. Okay. To because keep- I was like, I just the way they were setting her up, they were setting up to be a huge channeler. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I was really surprised that she couldn't muster more than that. Okay, that makes sense. No, it's very subtle because uh, it cuts to like a perspective, like to the side where you're sort of seeing the power cut through Perrin's bonds. Mm-hmm. And she is in the background having just done that little poof of a power at Amon Valda. Um, and then Perrin summons the wolves. Or do they does he summon them, or do they just know he's in trouble and come to help? I'm not sure, but something's I'm going. not. I'm not answering. I'm just, yeah, no, 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 don't, don't answer. I'm it's fine. listening. <laughs> yes, and then Perrin. Um, I figure whenever you have something to say that isn't spoilery, you'll jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still something clearly going on with Perrin and the wolves. Um, you know, <laughs> not not sure what's there, what's there yet, but um, that whole scene with the white cloaks was. I I I, I was terrified from them of them from the second yeah. they showed up because like I'm always terrified of fanatics yes um as, as well and, you should be yeah and but like the scene it, that was a rough scene to watch like th- those scenes yeah. with those scenes I was definitely watching like even when they weren't doing even when they weren't like torturing parent even when it was just like them like washing her which like the, I, like just disgusting like touching without consent like so you know gross. all this like like it was it was it was very disgusting um okay and yeah. then jumping jumping did you have something well so uh i think something jen and i talk about on tarvalin or bust is jordan is really smart with the way he creates villains because mm-hmm. like i hate the white cloaks and this other sect of like human villains that haven't been introduced yet or may not be introduced. I don't know. Um, More than I hate the dark one. Mm -hmm. Like they are such a good bad guy in the sense of like Jordan was like fanaticism. Like these are people using their own beliefs to turn against their fellow man. Mm -hmm. And obviously it sucks because it's very apt right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's but they're not a far cry from what actually like I'm frustrated because there was a softening of them a little bit in that in their first appearance uh with Jeffrey Barnhold who was the one who was like perhaps you should see one of the witches like no would never have said that in front of his men in a million years in the books Mm -hmm. and I don't understand I actually don't understand why the show softened it because they are meant to be awful They are meant to be twisted by a rigid belief system that allows them to do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think this part, this episode, these these episodes really showed that because Amon Valda, in my opinion, did not care if Egwene could channel or not. Yeah, no. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter. At the end of the day, he would never admit it, but it didn't matter. That's so good. Um. And then jumping to Moraine, um, there's clearly setting up a power struggle within the um, the Aes Sedai. Some sort of like, you know, some sort of competition for leadership. Something um, is going to happen. It looks like um, we are going to see. So far, the Aes Sedai are terrifying, but have seemingly been on the side of quote unquote right. 
Um, and I'm wondering if, like, I think they're always going to be against the Dark One, but I think it's going to be a question of what methods are they willing to use, what, you know, like, does end always justify the means that I think we're going to get into maybe some of that, Um, because it was very interesting when they were like, uh, this isn't, you know, Maureen, you've been gone for like two or three years. This isn't necessarily the place you remember. What's really fun, and I'm not, I'm like, I'm I'm not going to answer the question directly. No, don't answer um, the question if it's spoilery, yeah. But it is really fun listening to, I'm like trying to hide my face behind my like uh, pop stand so you can't see me reacting to what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. uh, listening to what you think is coming based on what the show has told you is, is really, it's fun. And that's yeah. what I'll say. Yeah, like I'm, 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 I think a thing that is fun about this show is that in a lot of ways you don't know. You have answers, you have background answers, but you don't know where they're taking the nope. plot either in some ways. Um, and so I think that's a lot of fun. It's, that's, it makes it fun to have these discussions because you can fill me in on like the background information I don't have that mm-hmm. like, you know, like who are the white cloaks, like what what's going on. Um, but also like you can't answer like, okay, where are they going to go next? And you have no idea. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I will say, I guess, in, in response to the Aes Sedai and the Tower and, and goals is that I, th- I do think the show has been clear that while they may all be in service of, of maintaining the light, for lack of a better, better mm-hmm. word right now, um, every Aja has their own goals and their own agenda mm-hmm. and their own ideas about what is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about the dark one a little bit? Because sure. we have got, if I'm, and I may be wrong about this because I've only seen every episode once and like there's a lot of world building that happens. We don't know much. The show mm-hmm. has not told us much about the dark one. We know the dark one exists and we know the dragon and the dragon reborn are in service of the dark one's goals. We know the dark one has servants called like that are humans, dark friends. Wait, 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 wait. The the dragon and the dragon reborn are the same. I mean, they're not the same, but, but they no, work no, no. for the dark one. No, 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 okay. no. The dragon will the dragon and the dragon. Well, I shall say the dragon reborn will either We're, defeat okay. the dark one or join him. What did the original dragon do? defeated defeated okay so it's kind of a defeat defeating sauron but he really goes and cowers in mordor type situation ish i'm I'm not sure what the show is going to do in the books yeah the whole thing is that the dark one's prison is weakening um he's they um uh have been stuck inside this prison for ages and ages and ages uh, thanks to the last dragon. Okay. And so why it's so important for at least Moiraine to find the dragon reborn is that it could go one of either way. Either the dragon reborn will join the dark one and bring about the end of the world, or okay. the dragon reborn is the only one who can face and defeat the dark one. Okay. So it's like either the dark or either the dragon reborn is going to free them or join them, defeat, free them or defeat them, free, like free them from the prison and join them. Yeah. Or defeat them. Okay. Yeah. And that's why the dark, that's why the dark one is also looking for right. 
That's and why you know, in in that uh the that dark friend, the the woman, the bartender, Dana, uh that's why she was like he's looking for you. Yeah. And the dark one has an like servants, the dark friends, the fades. They have armies like oh, that we saw in the first mm-hmm. episode. And, and in this uh, in the 5th episode, I believe Stepan references the Forsaken. Okay. Who are those? He he was doing the sage, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. in front of those little statues, and so the Forsaken are humans who sold themselves to the Dark One in return for power and immortality. Okay. Um, whew, that was a lot. Um, so much world building. <laughs> there is a lot, like, and I feel like, so as it is, right? I think I've. dived into like all of the the um you know the 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 question the questions we have for now but um and like you know i have a lot of other questions too what happens if like and i think this is they are making these us they're we're supposed to be asking these questions these are supposed to be unclear like what happens to the other three or four um, once they find the dragon reborn, mm-hmm. you know, what happens? Like, do they have to, because like, it's clear at this point, like, even though night, I, or maybe Nynaeve does realize it, maybe she doesn't, but she's not leaving the White Tower if they have anything to say about it. <laughs> like, she's too powerful. I, I, I love Nynaeve so much. <laughs> and I love Egwene so much. But it is, I do think the show has done a good job of setting up the idea that all of these characters are important no mm-hmm. matter what, right? Yes, no matter uh, yeah. who the dragon reborn is, they all have, importance they all have a part to play mm-hmm. um and i think in some ways they come in a pack which we're seeing which is also kind of why i'm um i am i'm eager to see all of them reunite because i feel like there is very much a sense that like if you want one of us you take all of us mm-hmm. you know like we're 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 in this together and there is that sense um especially you know i feel like Egwene as when Egwene went you know with them and the rest followed like I think that was kind of the solidifying of like the fellowship sorry I keep referencing Lord of the Rings well you I mean the the books are very very referential to Lord of the Rings and it's that said though it's so funny because that is not a thing in the books like Mm -hmm. it's not a fellowship that leaves two rivers Mm -hmm. right it's not it's very much like uh, Egwene like I, I said last time, uh, chooses to go, but is not yeah. required to go. She wants to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matt, Rand, and Perrin are dragged along. And then it's Lan and Moiraine who are just like, sort of just like, oh God, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go. And they do get split up very, like Shadar Logoth does happen and they do get split up. Um, and then they are split up for a very long time. So there yeah. isn't this necessarily like sense of fellowship at all really in the books so it's so funny that it's coming into the show because you're do you you're agree very... with me am i am i wrong no you're not wrong yeah. i think they have sort of like and and it, they have done that they've they've created uh this like intensive group dynamic that like the friendship exists in the book like they care about one another there are some really lovely scenes one-on-one through for all of them there's never this sense of like it's all of us against the world yes really like that does not exist um and i think like i think it's um i think it's also a lot that 
you know, that's the driving force here. They're getting to the White Tower to see that their friends are safe. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. That, and that's why Rand is so conflicted about like, well, we need to go to the White, I mean, they don't explicitly say this, but it's like, he's kind of like, you can tell he's kind of like, I need to go to the White Tower to make sure Egwene and Perrin are okay, but I don't want to take Matt there because right. I don't know what they're going to do to him. And so like, I don't know what to do. And Nynaeve coming to him gives him a way out. Mm-hmm. Um and I really like that. Um, I re- Like, I don't know. I think the driving force here, a lot of this for me, is to see them reunite and to see what they're going to do next. Because whatever they're going to do, it feels like now they're going to do as a group. Whereas maybe even two episodes ago, I was not sure of mm-hmm. that. That's I was so sure funny. like Matt, this the first chance he got, Matt was going to leave. And I'm not certain that that's still not the case mm-hmm. uh, necessarily. I think if anybody was to leave, it would be Matt. But the others would follow him and bring him back. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just, it's, they are, it is a That's group so destiny at this point. You're, yeah, the the show does feel that way for mm-hmm. sure. That's so interesting. Um, can I, uh, so episode five had the introduction of one of my favorite characters yes. in the entire series. Loyale. Mm-hmm. I love Loyale so much. And it's, it, the show says loyal. I've always said loyal because it's mm-hmm. L-O-I-A-L. Um, I love him so much. Okay, and, so – sorry, keep going. Well, so that introduction scene between him and Rand mm-hmm. uh, in the library, which I also really dug. I feel like the show – like, Rand is such a – like a boy-next-door character that I mm-hmm. like that the show is giving him these, like, sweet moments. Yes. Um because I, I do think Yosha Strudowski is is very good in the role, but I loved that scene and I loved Loyal being like an Isleman and Tarvalin and then Ram being like, I'm not, I'm from the two rivers. I'm not an Isleman. And Loyal saying, how interesting, an Isleman from the two rivers who's, who does not think he is an Isleman. <laughs> I was like, you're the best. I thought it was he was very interesting for multiple reasons. Um, first, the way he picked up on the things that mm-hmm. Rand said and didn't say yes. and knew to bring Nynaeve. Like the because like I am not I do not think they had like in-depth conversations off screen. Like I think Loyal read between a lot of the lines and inferred a lot from what Rand had said and the fact that he knew he's in the gardens, he's I guess I'm guessing saw Nynaeve and was like, I think I have your some of your people mm-hmm. staying with me or whatever. Um, that was super interesting to me. Also, I think beyond like dark creatures, this is the first non-human we're seeing. Am I wrong yes. about that? So like I didn't even know that what is he in? Oh gear. Ogier, yeah. I didn't even know that Ogier's, you know, exist. Yeah. Like, I wasn't, I didn't know that non-dark creatures mm-hmm. existed in this universe. Like, non-dark, sentient non-humans. Yeah. Like, uh, existed in this universe. And so that was, that was super interesting. Yeah, I, it's, I am very curious how much people are going to pick up. Like, there is such a loaded history to the Ogier, but, and their relationship to humans. That, uh, and- I, I can tell that. I can mm-hmm. tell, Yeah. So I'm very curious how much of that is going to continue and be able to be brought up on screen. Um, I was like a little sad we didn't get to see the initial meeting between uh, Nynaeve and Loyal. Uh, I I kind of wish the show had like pulled back on the step and stuff a little bit and mm-hmm. given us that moment. But 
I agree with you. I, I liked this idea that Loyal just was smart enough to to hear what he wasn't being told. Yes. And just tells you a lot about whatever abilities he might have or not have and what kind of person he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really liked I liked him. And what I was going to say when you talked about him as a favorite character, I was like, oh, so he is going to be back. Like, this is not like a one-time thing. Okay. So no, he's great. He's, Loyal is awesome. He's the best. <laughs> um, I think that's all my thoughts. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like if there's anything I'm like looking. I had so many pages of notes for for when I there watched was, this. <laughs> we didn't really talk about the lawn warder suicide mm. um, thing. I don't know that there's a lot to talk about there. Like it's it's they're doing a very very good job of showing the depth of the bond between mm-hmm. Isodai and Warder, and you know how much Moraine worries about Lon if something happens to her. Yeah, I'm very. I have my I have my suspicions about why they spent so much time on this because this is not in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, I have ideas about why they did it and where it might be taking the story, but I I did think they spent just a little bit too much time on that storyline in this episode. Like I understand, but it, it felt it felt a little uneven to me. That said, I mm-hmm. really like they've changed the warders a bit in in terms of like giving us a real sense of companionship and camaraderie among the warders themselves and this sort of like blatant affection they hold for one another i really like that a lot Mm -hmm. right like i i thought that was wonderful to see on screen um but yeah it's like it is it's it's there for a reason it tells you what you need to know it's pretty heartbreaking but eh. i think the the warders I, I imagine without this camaraderie, it really feels like a service situation. They're in service to the Aes Sedai, and they're not. Whereas this feels more of like a family situation. Yeah, it this makes is it like, makes it it gives it that extra dynamic where mm-hmm. their plight isn't as kind of sad a little bit. Um, because if it's just them being in service to the Aes Sedai and that is their only family, and that's sad. Like that that that's a that's a very that's a that's a life in service. This feels more like. A it's, well-rounded choice, if that makes sense. I think in the books, it's it's not that it's a a, a sad life in service. It's it's isolating. Yes. It's, okay. Yeah. 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 It's it's very isolated. Like you don't really see. They do work with one another, and they do you know have these like sort of like uh, professional relationships mm-hmm. uh, because they all recognize that they exist for for they and their I said I exist in a partnership and it is their partnership and they are yeah. alone in that partnership um but the show is kind of taking it a step further to be like no one else in the world understands what I'm going through except this person yeah and I think like because the I said I like it is very much that intense relationship but the I said I have each other they have their sisters even if yeah. you know they don't get along they have each other yes. what do the warders have if they don't have exactly like, I, I think that's what I was trying to say it feels mm-hmm. like the I said I yes it's a very intensive close one-on-one bond but it's also the I said I have their other yes. sisters you're right who do the warders have and so like I would feel more sad for the warders if I hadn't seen them like Mm -hmm. having the warder campfire and like you know having this camaraderie I mean Lan is sort of in the books the only warder you like earlier on really really get to know Mm -hmm. um and even then it's very limited what you get to know because Lan I'm trying to remember now if I don't think he ever gets a POV and if he does get a POV it's like very very short um 
so there's very like they've really pulled Lan's personality forward and outward in a way that the books do not do for a long time. Okay. Okay. Um, so I <laughs> this is one one piece in which the show I think is excelling and maybe even outperforming the way the characters are represented in the books. I think book storytelling and screen storytelling are very different. I haven't thought a lot about it, but this conversation has made me think a lot about what I need on screen versus what I will take on faith in a book. I can read a book where the relationships aren't well-developed or some of the characters are flat, especially if it's, I know it's just the first in a series for, I can stick with it for, for a surprisingly long time. Whereas in a show, I have much less patience for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're very, very right. They, I I agree with you. I think they did need to, because like how boring would it be if he was just this like stone-faced man who like Mm -hmm. didn't really engage, didn't really participate. Um, They've given him emotion and feeling and, and made him a full character in a way that the books didn't necessarily have to. Yes. Uh, and so given early, him I should say. Agency, I think, mm-hmm. which yeah. it would it would be very easy to feel like the warders don't have it. The I will say Jordan is good with that. Like the warders, mm-hmm. they they exist for, you know, a certain reason, but they do have agency and you see mm-hmm. that happen in the books. Like it's not like I said I can just tell them what to do and they have to do it. Um though that does happen, but there is an there there is an anger about it when that happens. You yeah. know, there is a, a very human like you see the frustration. I also did really like, this is kind of an aside, but I did really like when the blonde red Aes Sedai, I don't remember her name. Oh, Leandrin? Yeah, she pointed out that like women may have the one power, but men still control the... <gasps> I, I, oh, you don't like that? I have my issues with it. Okay. But it's not... I think from any other character, I would have appreciated it. Okay. I think I had a problem with it because I thought the show was doing something smart in paralleling uh, Amon Valda and the White Cloaks and Leandrin mm-hmm. and the Red Aja because Leandrin, mm-hmm. in that first episode when she says, this is not meant for you mm-hmm. to the man, is that is a fanatic. A fanatic. Mm-hmm. And so I thought they were doing a really smart strong job softened her of paralleling her and that felt like a weird softening tactic however i understand that i was thinking about it and it also in the moment she's talking to Nynaeve and i was like oh that's also a manipulation tactic it is yeah right that's to be like we have to stand together as sisters the reason i liked it was because um it points out something that would be it would be very easily to it's like okay so in Saved by the Bell yes there's an episode where <laughs> where Josie Tota says like I'm going like she basically decides she's gonna fix anti-trans yeah so anti-trans sentiment <laughs> with play so and she's basically like I'm gonna fix you know like anti-trans I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix transphobia trans yeah I'm gonna fix transphobia the way Hamilton fixed racism oh my god I cried I cried I laughed so hard and I feel feel that like honestly like I know it's a weird connection to make but it's felt similar because it would be really easy to say like oh well because the I said I have the one power patriarchy is fixed yes no you're right and the reason I liked that is it brings up like no in some it's ways women are more hated because they don't have the one power yeah so I I I, I understand what you're saying and I do agree actually um very much because I, I do like the parallel of her being a fanatic as well because mm-hmm. that is a smart um that's it's a smart 
thing to do and to pick up on. But I do like that they made that point explicit. No, I agree. It's it's a good point to make, but I'm choosing. It shouldn't have been in her mouth. It shouldn't have been in her mouth. And since it is in her mouth, I'm choosing to read it as a manipulation tactic more so than like, I like, I still think it's true, but yeah. she didn't say it. For any other reason. Yeah, she said it because she wants Nynaeve to become a red. Exactly. Or red, you know, whatever. The red Asha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Oh, God. Leandrin sucks so bad. I hate her so much. She's the worst. She's just, she's just the worst. They, they, they they are making that point very well on screen. Right? I do not like her. Good. she's, (laughs) She's like slimy. How do you feel about Loghain? Which one's Loghain? Loghain is the the guy who can use the power. So episode, the one who gets gentled. The dragon. Yeah. The, the guy who claims the dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly have no idea. Like, because they keep saying it'll drive. Okay, so th- this ties back into how I feel about, like, men and the one power. They keep... They keep talking about how he's mad, mm-hmm. like how, like, oh, it's driven him crazy or, you know, I don't like using that word, but like, it's, yeah, you know, it, 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 it did it well being cut off from it. Will I, I, I agree. Like, I agree there, but he wanting pa- what we have seen of him is that he wants power and he wants conquest. You don't need to be out of your mind, driven, crazy, driven mad by this like Mm -hmm. one power to want that so i don't really know how to feel like i don't know how to feel about what about the power like those figures speaking to him while he was using the power is that the dark is that the figure speaking to him or is the dark one trying to use him like that's the thing like i don't know what from what we've seen on screen i have not yet become convinced that the story we're told about him is what's going on Mm -hmm. now he's been stripped of the power and so i don't know what to think and i think i i I, i'm curious to see now that he has been stripped of it what is the dragon reborn a well the whole thing about the dragon reborn is that a well-known like folktale in this universe or is that something that he had to hear from an eyes to die so i don't know like the way the... Somebody manipulate. I'm like, I'm wondering, is there somebody manipulating him? That's that's a good question to ask based on what the show has shown us. Um, I am not clear on that's something I'm not clear on with regards to the show is how much people know about everything because in the books everything is kept very close to the vest, mm-hmm. like intensely, intensely close to the vest. Like in that first episode where Moiraine is like, "What of you is a dragon reborn?" That did not happen. Like okay. she didn't say anything. She didn't say shit to 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 anyone. Um, whereas in the show, it feels like many more people are aware of mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm just like not super clear on it. Because my question is, I have gotten the sense that this is not something that they are telling a lot of people. That's the sense I've gotten from the show. Like, mm-hmm. the dragon being reborn is not a huge... Like, while reincarnation is clearly a big part of their culture and their beliefs, the and, and it looks like, you know, what happens in this universe. Like, the dragon being reborn is not something that is, like, that people are generally aware of. Outside and, of, like, mythology. Maybe. Yeah, and for the, this guy at the right time, for Loghain at the right time to be saying that he's the dragon reborn like where is he getting that information well so men 
traditionally have not been able like not as many of them can channel as women can Mm -hmm. so that's one thing the other thing is there's this so in when there's the procession and matt and rand are watching and there's that like i don't know if it was a hallucination or like what that matt sees Mm -hmm. with uh with logaine and logaine starts laughing that was a scene where I li- literally I was like I don't I don't understand what's like yeah, what's happening. I don't under- like. There's a lot. I have a lot of questions about him, and I don't think the series is done with him, just because they've stripped him of his power. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm still him and Matt. I'm still both. Both of them. I have a lot of questions about men and using the one power, and mm-hmm. I think as we get more answers about that, my thoughts on both of them will become clearer. Okay. Because <laughs> right now I don't know what to think. I like like I, I like the story they're telling. It's not like I'm trying to decide whether I like Matt or not. It's just like I'm not sure the story that they seem to be telling is a story they're actually telling. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I think that's so that's our good. real time discussion. So good. Yeah. So okay. good. I'm a, so moving forward, just so so everyone knows. So like the last episode airs on Christmas Eve. Whew. So we'll see when we get to yeah, it. Like, I, I, I'm, I will not be in town for Christmas. So, so um, yeah, we're maybe just, in the we'll new year. See. Yeah, or 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 we oh, we will probably do something between Christmas and New Year's. But yeah. I would not expect like a like day of or day after. I just like so. I think we, that will probably be our next episode, though. Is my guess. We may do something in between and don't not talk about Wheel of Time. Yeah, um, but we'll probably just do the last three episodes. Yeah, so six, six, seven, and eight. Oh, I'm so sad that it's only eight episodes. I know. I wish it was longer. Maybe they'll get ten for the next season. That would be nice. Um, although I do think they've done quite a good job adapting it thus far. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So, what are you doing? Um, what am I doing? I am still doing my Wired column every week or every other week at Wired. This week's, um, that's, or next week is once it's going to go up on The Sims 4 because I finally succumbed and bought The Sims. <laughs> um, and, um, so that's next week. And then otherwise I'm doing a film, 2022 film and TV preview for New Scientist. I'm not sure when that's cool. going up. And NPR, I did, I recommended a couple of books for their uh, book concierge, best books of 2021. Um, and so that was um, really nice to be able to do. That's the last thing I did for Petra Meyer, who's Aww. my editor there. And she passed away unexpectedly. And I'm really, um, really bummed. That's so much stored stone table was also picked for NPR's yeah. Best of 2021 and at Washington Post's Best of 2021. Very exciting. Which is very exciting, but it was very bittersweet because Petra wrote the blurb for Stockton of Stores. Right. So it's, um, it is, it's very sad. But um, what are you doing? Uh, I am working on the second Spider-Man book that is due very, very soon. Uh, you can, I found out you can actually pre-order Spider-Man Social Dilemma now. It is available Um in many bookstores it comes out in july so if you would like to pre-order it i would super appreciate that uh I will, i'll save your receipt though because i'll do some kind of pre-order campaign as it gets closer um and then what else am i doing uh oh tarvel and a bust obviously if listening to our wheel of time recaps has you interested in reading the books i do a podcast with our friend jen northington 
uh, where we are rereading the books, but non-spoilery. So we don't talk about things ha- that happen outside of what we are reading um, or ahead of what we are reading. And we, like I said, just wrapped book four. Um, and we are covering the show as well from a reader's perspective. So those conversations are very book spoilery. Yeah. Just, just a heads up. Um, and those are the two things really that I'm spending time on yes. right now. And a new secret project, which I'm excited yes. about and we'll tell you about someday. <laughs> um, what are you into? Uh, okay. I meant to say this last time, but I rewatched all of Young Justice leading up to season four, which is currently uh, dropping every Thursday on um, HBO Max. Please watch this show. It's so, it is, I think, the best cape animated TV show writing. Some of the best TV show writing, period. Like, it's, it starts off very, like, you know, uh, cartoony, very, very kid-friendly. Because the first two seasons aired on Cartoon Network, like, okay. a decade ago. It, it, yeah, it started in 2010. You have ran- to watch those two seasons? Yes. Okay. But they're not it, it when I say starts off, I mean the first few episodes okay. of like the team building, but the the story quickly like it it all builds. Everything okay. builds off the previous season and the emotional stakes are always very clear. The characters age and develop in a really smart and strong way. So basically the idea of this is the team of young heroes mm-hmm. of, you know, it's Robin, Dick Grayson, uh, Wally West with Kid Flash, uh, Aqualad, Calder, um, and uh, McGann Moore's, the Manhunter Martian's niece, and Superboy, um, Connor Kent. And it's sort of like how that team fluctuates and builds and, and all the things they deal with. When I, like, seriously, I cry every season. It's so good and it was canceled so unceremoniously by Cartoon Network way back in the day to the point where it got like the fervor was so great that it got brought back eight years later yeah and now it is continuing it's it's so good I like please watch it and so I am like deep in this like still in this DC comics thing now I'm like going all in on Tim Drake I read all the Dick Grayson stuff which I hadn't read in a couple years and now I'm reading all the Tim Drake stuff I just it's so good like I just want every like I'm this is my hyper fixation right now like this is what I'm doing uh and then Christmas movies have yeah. we we both watched a castle for Christmas yes yes <laughs> Carrie Ellis was fantastic so good Brooke Shields Carrie Ellis Scotland a yep. castle Christmas we also Sold. both watched Love Hard it was Oh yeah, very cute. It was good. Um, I I thought the I was very skeptical. So I thought the punchline was going to be, "Haha, Asian men are not attractive." That was not the punchline, and I was nope. pleased by it. Um, and it was just, it's just a funny movie. Like I really liked it, so definitely recommend that one too. Yeah, I'm I'm digging go getting into the season now. Yeah, like it's yeah. time. Um, I am, I just finished the second season of For All Mankind. Um, I talked about that last time and oh my God, this is like the best show on TV. Like I'm not exaggerating. This is like the, it is so good, so well acted, so well written, so thoughtful. So like stressful. Yes. Okay. Yes. It is like in a good, like in a good way, because you're just like, you don't know who they're going to kill. Like, you know, it's space. Like, you know anybody could die at any point and you don't really feel like people are safe 
necessarily okay. like just because like oh their series regular they're safe you don't feel that way especially because every season jumps about 10 years mm-hmm. so you don't know who like really they're gonna they have we have the major players but you don't know if they're gonna bring them back or so like people could easily die and do uh, because it's space it's hard um it is so good like the storytelling is so phenomenal um, I actually didn't watch the second season because like I didn't I, I was not in a place where I wanted to stress out so I waited for a long time but finally watched it it's really good highly recommend it especially if you have even a passing interest in space um, it is fantastic I am also playing Immortals Phoenix Rising which is an uh, like action adventure RPG Basically, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, Nate, and we were, like, realizing that, like, my wheelhouse is action-adventure-style RPGs, like, mm-hmm. like RPG-style games, um, and none came out, like, none came out in 2021, and I think it was COVID-related. Like, everything that was supposed right. to be cool that was supposed to come out in 2021 in that wheelhouse. I'm not saying cool games didn't come out, just, like, none that in that specific. specific. Um, really, or at least for PlayStation, um, maybe some came out for Xbox or something or PC, but all of those got pushed Gunt. to 2022. So I was realizing, I was like, cause like, I haven't been really into gaming lately and I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized like, there haven't been any games coming out that I really want to play. So like, I was kind of just looking through my game library and I remembered that I had bought this like on sale last year, um, and forgot about it. And so I installed it and it's actually really good. Um, it's great graphics. The premise is like, you're this mortal hero and all the other mortals in the world. It's a great gods. Mm-hmm. All the other mortals have been like f- turned to stone and Ooh. the gods are, have been shackled and need help. Escaping. So there's a lot of Greek myth. If you're into the Greek myth stuff, ton of Greek myth, lots of dad jokes. Like it's the humor is like Love to see it. dad jokes. I think you would actually enjoy this. Um, lots of dad jokes, um, you know, so a lot of like humor and it's, um, it's actually, if I had to pick one game, it reminds me of it actually be, and do not, it is very dangerous to make this comparison, but it's actually Breath of the Wild huh? because it's open world. Okay. So you can go anywhere, climb anything, do anything. And you have these dungeons, uh, well, no, they're not dungeons. They're. They're basically dungeons that, like, you have to go and, like, solve puzzles and, like, move objects and, like, you know, move boxes and stuff. It's, like, they're, like, Zelda dungeons. Okay, that sounds really fun. Yeah, and, like, you to, like, get, like, Zeus's lightning so you can level up. Or to get, like, you know, to get, like, right now I'm trying to get the Tears of Aphrodite and I have to collect three of them from three different dungeons to be able to free Aphrodite. And so, like, it's in this huge open world and, like, then there's these puzzles. Like, you have to, like, reassemble these frescoes or you have to like use an arrow and shoot through these three things mm. or like in order to like get more coins in order to buy more skills. Like it's, it, it's a fun game. It's actually, it's like 15 or $20 right now, like on sale. Oh, no, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> worth it. And like, I, I don't know. It's like, I don't like, I hate comparing things to breath of the wild because any game is going right. to s- pale in comparison. But if you're looking for a similar experience while acknowledging nothing is ever going to be that good. Yeah. <laughs> I do recommend this. Like, it's it's fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Is and it's, it, uh, like, uh, is it turn-based RPG or is no, it, like... No, no, no. It's, it's just at, RPG you know. elements. Like, the leveling okay, good, up good, good, good. elements of RPG, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's not an RPG. It's, like, okay, action-adventure style. Yes. All right. Um, and Dang in it. story... I've, it's so... Story mode is so easy that I've been playing on easy mode, not wow. story mode. Yeah. And so, like, it's really easy. I uh, but like the puzzles that. are hard. 
the combat is easy, that's which is what, what I, I like. Want. It. Yeah, yeah. That's, the puzzles that's... are hard. Um, well, the few first few like dungeons are really easy because they want to ease you into the game, and then they start getting harder. I like that. Have, like you get to a dungeon and you're like, I can't pass this because I'm clearly missing some sort of ability. Mm-hmm. So then you have to go figure out what ability you're missing and go like get enough stuff to level oh, up. And- I'm definitely gonna buy this. Yeah, I know it's good. <laughs> like I just I didn't expect it, and like it, I'm really enjoying it, and it's very easy to pick up and put down to play for like 30 minutes. Okay, I'm just gonna pass this dungeon, then go do something else. Like, All right, it's very easy. Um, okay. I, I'm really enjoying it. So. See, I like. I uh, picked up Uncharted 4 mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I watched gameplay for the first three. Yeah. Because my friend was like, you will, I think you'll really like the story. I, I really enjoy will, it. I got so, I started playing the first Uncharted and got so stuck on like the jumping mechanisms because they're so bad. No. Yeah. I watched YouTube playthroughs for the first three, like the movie mode, you know, so you mm-hmm. can see the story. And I started playing the fourth one and I really like the puzzles i like when you have to figure things out i do not like the shootouts there are so many shootouts and my sort of when i turned this book in my reward to myself was going to be guardians of the galaxy because i've heard Mm -hmm. such wonderful things about that game but i think i might pick up this one and i i'm very curious if you do pick up guardians of the galaxy how that is because I've also heard very good things. Yeah, I think I probably will do both because yeah. after I turn this book in, I have like a little while. That's not true. Um, I no, that's not true. But I, I just think you I, I just deserve time it. Off. I deserve you need it. Time off. <laughs> um, and then finally, I'll talk about the lost symbol just because I kept bringing it up. Um, <laughs> it's a Dan Brown, like Robert Langdon. It's a but it's a series. It's not like Tom Hanks. It's not a movie. Um, the, and it's like it's, it's they fashioned it as a prequel so like before like all the movies like it's a prequel it's very well cast it's actually very funny hmm. um i really enjoyed it i i also love this like puzzle type shit like this is just i i love i love these books i have an, i am unapologetically like i read all of them <laughs> um and it's good like if you are if you like that sort of thing i definitely recommend checking it out on peacock watch that and then watch say by the bell Yes, watch Saved by the Bell. Yes. Watch it, do it, so we can get another season. Yes. Um. Okay, we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C for nerds of color. And um, thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers. If you have been a Patreon subscriber over the past year, you should have or should be soon receiving your rewards because we mailed them out like um, – one or two weeks, two weeks ago two now. Two weeks ago, yeah. Um, but thank you to Meredith at the $12 level and Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knott family, Priya, Keisha, Ruth, and Kavita at the $5 level. Um, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Girls. And a reminder, if you get your, if you join today for $2 or if you send us $3 via PayPal along with your mailing address, you can get a holiday card from us because yes. we are sending them out tomorrow, but it has to be today, December 3rd. Um, in the meantime, you can find us at Twitter, uh, at Daisy Geek Girls. Um, I am at Run With Skizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S, on basically everything. I am at S. Krishna on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and I think that's it. So yeah. until next time, we we'll will see, see you. you in hell. hell.